Hi, I'm Marietta Del Vecchio and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. We'll uncover what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with Paul Bevan, the founder and CEO of cultivated meat startup Magic Valley. During the podcast, we chat about the biggest challenges they face while operating in a nascent industry, how someone without a science background actually gets a biotech business off the ground, and just how close are we from having cultivated meat on our supermarket shelves. Paul, thank you for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Looking forward to today's chat. Me too. Me too. I cannot tell you I'm so excited about this chat today because I'm genuinely fascinated by the cultivated meat industry. And I think it will be, if it isn't already, a rising tide industry. And you are most definitely one of the pioneers. Do you you feel that way? Like, does it feel like you're treading through uncharted territory? That's a a really good uh, definition of it, to be honest. Like, it's definitely uncharted. Uh, There's certainly no playbook for revolutionising the food industry, which is what we're attempting to do. It's a a massive challenge. Uh, There's a lot of uh, ups and downs. And there really is a lot of excitement uh, around the industry at the moment at the moment, and, and what we're doing. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about where you guys are at. Where's Magic Valley at with your um, products? What's your main product at the moment? Yeah, so we recently developed uh, a mincemeat product. So uh, both a, a lamb mince product uh, and a pork mince product. Uh, and we've recently started working um, on a beef product as well with you know, eyes to the future for developing uh, products from, from all farmed animal species and also aquatic species as well. But uh, lamb and pork are the focus at the moment. The, the vegan movement, I guess, has been a bit of a driver for a lot of plant-based and meat substitute products. So let's just clarify for our listeners um, what exactly the definition of cultivated meat is. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important um, point and, and clarification to make. So cultivated meat is, is not a substitute. It's actually a real meat product. So we take a sample of cells from a living animal who continues to, to go on and live out their normal natural life. And we take those cells into the lab and we then convert them into stem cells and we grow them up primarily into muscle and fat in order to create what's essentially a real meat product. So cultivated meat products are molecularly the same. They taste the same. They have the same aroma, etc. cetera, uh, as traditionally farmed meat products because they are real meat. So we actually also have uh, the benefit of being able to enhance the nutritional profile of cultivated meat products as well. So um, that could be, you know, less saturated fat, um, additional omega-3s, higher protein content, for example. So in reality, they, they're better than traditionally farmed meat products and definitely not a, a plant-based substitute, which a lot of people um, get confused by. That sounds like music to the ears of every health-conscious person and also sustainably con- sustainable conscious person, right? Absolutely. So there's there's a number of um, 
benefits to the product. Um, you know, as we mentioned, the you know the nutritional profile with the product, um, and as you pointed out, from a sustainability sustainability perspective as well. So, um, we will use a lot less um, uh, land, a lot less uh, water, and produce far fewer greenhouse gas emissions than we see in you know intensive animal agriculture today. So, um, yeah, certainly a number of benefits to to cultivated meat. I'm sure many of my listeners and and a lot of us saw the David Attenborough documentary that was on Netflix in the last year or so and it it focused heavily on the impact that farming has had on planet earth have you guys done or do, are you aware of any sorts of projections of you know how cultivated meat will help to reduce those issues and and what benefit it will have to the environment yeah there's there's a number of um industry-wide peer-reviewed studies uh, that have been conducted uh, around, um, you know, life cycle analysis um, of the of the process. It, it, every company in the space uses a, a slightly different process, a slightly different technology. Um, so, so there is some variability um, uh, between uh, what's out there in terms of uh, the impact. But yes, overwhelmingly, um, the, the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions is, is probably um, the biggest benefit um, in terms of the, the, the planet, uh, as it were. Obviously, you know, we've got a, a hugely expanding global population. We've got a limited land supply, um, you know, a, a, a skyrocketing demand for, for animal protein. And so, you know, traditional animal agriculture simply can't meet those those needs, and so we have to find alternative um, methods. Uh, and cultivated meat is is certainly one of those. Was there any particular reason you started with lamb, then pork? Is it easier, or just what you picked? Yeah, so scientifically, lamb is probably um, one of the the, the harder um, species or, or, or meats to, to cultivate. But uh, obviously, it's very Australian. Um, uh, lamb uh, is obviously well known in Australia. Australia has a really strong reputation for um, you know the breeds of sheep we produce here, uh, and and Australia is actually along with New Zealand the largest exporter of sheep and lamb meat uh, in the world. Uh, and obviously, we've got a really great reputation for for food safety and security. Um, and and personally, I guess you know we 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 slaughter you know lambs at a, a very young age for for human consumption as well. So that was important to me to be able to potentially do something about that. Um, but it is obviously also you know commercially um, uh, and from a competitive viewpoint, uh, a bit of a niche for us. Uh, we were the first company in the world to develop uh, cultivated lamb products um, from induced pluripotent stem cells, which is the type of technology that we use, and to do that completely free of any other uh, animal products as well. Um, so, yeah, so it was a real a real niche for us. Obviously, lamb's quite an expensive um, meat as well, particularly you know in Australia, but also uh, in Asia, in China, it's the, the most expensive uh, meat product there as well. So, yeah, so look, there, there are a number of reasons to, to start with lamb. Um, and pork uh, became an obvious second choice for us as well in terms of, uh, the environmental impact, um, you know, obviously, um, well, a lot of a, a, a point that not many people know is that Australia is actually a net importer of pork. Everyone thinks we we produce our own um, food here, but we're actually a net importer of pork. So, you know, domestically, it made sense for us to, um, you know, focus on that next. I didn't. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I did not know that. Where do we get it from? Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I think a lot of it comes from uh, Indonesia. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's m- most people don't know. Yeah, 
would not have known. So how far away are we from having Magic Valley lamb chops in the, or, you know, lamb mints in the supermarkets? Um, in terms of um, uh, commercialization, yeah. So, so we're looking at uh, the end of 2024 um, to commercialize our products uh, in Australia. Um, so it's around 18 months uh, away from, from now. Um, for us, we need to go through the, the regulatory approval process um, here in Australia. And so um, that's one of the next uh, large milestones for, for us. So, yeah, look, we're, we're aiming at products on shelves uh, by the end of next year. And how much, uh, what's the price point going to be? Yeah, that's a question that, that we get asked um, quite a lot. I think there's a, a bit of a, uh, I'm going to call it a, a misconception around how expensive cultivated meat is is going to be. Um, it really does depend on the, the technology um, that uh, each company or any company is using to produce cultivated meat uh, and obviously how scalable that is. And when I first started the company, you know, I knew we had to develop a, a scalable technology that would be able to produce, you know, products that were, you know, commercially viable and that were either at the same price point, if not cheaper than traditionally farmed meat. So we had that with um, had that view uh, in mind when we when we started, and so um, that really shaped the the type of technology that that we have adopted. So um, at the moment, um, obviously, you know, we're still at, at small scale. Uh, we're actually looking to uh, obviously scale up production as we get closer to, to regulatory approval. Um, but in terms of price point, uh, what it costs uh, or what it will cost when we when we go to market, uh, we'll be looking at uh, approximately uh, $5 a kilo um, for those mincemeat products. And so that will be substantially cheaper than, you know, what you can currently um, buy mince products for. Um, and they're the projections that, that, that we're working on. So um, as I said, there, there's this bit of a misconception that it's going to be super expensive. You know, all the first products using the older technology were, were, were really expensive. Um, and I think those prices are really just going to continue to, to come down further and further, um, you know, as we get um, you know, technology developments as we're able to take advantage of economies of scale, bulk purchasing and, and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely one of the, the misconceptions about, you know, what it's going to cost. Um, there's obviously some um, investment required in terms of infrastructure and those sorts of things. But, you know, once everything's up and going, yeah, the, the price point is, is certainly going to be cheaper. And Thinking about, I guess you're saying you need a bit of invest investment in infrastructure in order to get to that point. Does that mean that, let's say, you know, regulation was approved tomorrow for some, you know, wild reason, are you, would you be ready to produce a competitive amount um, to go into supermarkets right now and compete with traditional meat products? Yeah, no, not not yet for for us personally, and and probably that's probably not possible um, industry wide uh, in terms of being able to produce enough quantity. So. Um, the, the, the biggest piece of infrastructure that, that's required is something that's called a, a bioreactor, which is basically just a large vat that, um, you know, the cells are, are grown in. And so um, we need um, many of those and many of those are in, in a large capacity. And so, you know, most companies are, are looking at, you know, reactors. 
somewhere between 2,000 and, and 20,000 litre for, for small-scale uh, manufacturing facilities. And um, just to give you an indication, we've mapped out that you know a, a small-scale pilot facility with two 20,000 litre reactors, we'd be able to produce around 300,000 kilos per annum from that facility and so that's really a drop in the ocean when it you know comes to um, you know how much meat is consumed you know just in Australia we would need you know of that size um, factory or, or, or that many um, reactors you know we would need probably you know, 4,000 of those reactors to to meet demand and so that's that's quite a lot and there you know there's not there's not 4,000 20,000 litre bioreactors, you know, sitting around at Bunnings that you can just go and, you know, purchase off the shelf. Um, you know, there's some, there's some manufacturing and, and all those sorts of things to be, to be done there. So, yeah, look, it, it's still a way off in terms of, um, you know, being able to produce, you know, those large quantities to, to meet the demand. Speaking of the, you know, the industry, I'm curious about the competitive landscape. What What's... Who else is out there and are they doing similar things or are you attacking different areas of this? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, at Magic Valley, we're one of only two cultivated meat companies in Australia. Um, and I'm always saying that I'm surprised that there's not more cultivated meat companies in Australia. But then my team very quickly reminds me of how difficult it has been just to get to this stage. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, that's why, because it's, it's really, really difficult. But um, look, globally, there's um, you know several companies now um, working on developing cultivated meat products. And, you know, there's there's also several others working on different, um, uh, I guess, allied uh, parts to the industry. So companies just developing those bioreactors that I mentioned, um, companies just developing, um, you know, ingredients to to add to the cells to get them to grow, which is which is called media, um, and so on and so forth. So so there's a number of companies worldwide. Everyone really uses quite different um, processes uh, and technologies. There's not just one way to create cultivated meat products. Um, you know, you can start with, you know, different cell types. Um, you can um, use different types of bioreactors to grow up your cells and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, and, and every company is... Um, uh, similar to us, ha- has a different sort of niche. So we obviously started with with lamb and um, now pork and and beef. But a lot of uh, the earlier companies have focused on the more widely consumed meats. And chicken is is the biggest one um, throughout the world. There's obviously a number of companies also looking at uh, beef, um, which I think. Uh, has the uh, the largest uh, impact, or has you know developing cultivated beef products has the potential to have the largest impact from a sustainability perspective? Um, there's a number of companies uh, also looking at, at pork, which is obviously very widely consumed um, in Asia and, and particularly uh, in China. And then there's other companies looking at you know seafood and and all sorts of different products. So um, look, there, there, there's a lot of uh, companies uh, in the space, but you know as I said, everyone's using you know different technologies looking at different products and also looking at different markets as, as well. Um, to date, the only uh, product that has been regulated uh, for consumption is, is a product in Singapore, which is a, a chicken nugget product in Singapore um, produced by one company. Um, other than that, you know, we're still waiting for, for regulatory approval um, across the different regions. And so obviously, you know, the companies based in, in different geographies are you know, focused on you know, different regions as well. This might be a really easy question to answer. What's been the biggest barrier throughout the journey? What's been the biggest challenge? Um, how long have you got? 
<laughs> there's there's been a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of challenges, a lot of barriers. Um, look, getting started was was really hard. Going from you know the idea um, for this business to to developing an, an actual business um, has been really really difficult. I, I I don't have a background in science uh, or in food, um, so so finding and then convincing you know the most talented people to work on me. Uh, sorry to work on this idea with me. Um, took 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 quite a long time. Um, also, finding lab space uh, in Australia was just ridiculously difficult um, as well. Um, you know, I've had uh, multiple businesses previously. You know, where you know you could just go and um, you know uh, rent some commercial you know real estate. You know, rent an rent an office. You know, rent rent whatever you need for your business. Um, that doesn't exist for labs. Um, that's, it just, just, just doesn't exist in Australia. There's no we work of labs? There is not. No, no, <laughs> unfortunately not. So, you know, most of the, the lab space and the equipment as well. So, you know, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of the equipment that we, we need is, you know, quite expensive and, and high end. Um, and, and all of that in Australia is contained within the university. So it, it's really difficult to, to get access to any of that. We eventually got some, some lab space uh, at one of the only uh, two uh, co-working lab spaces uh, in, in, in Melbourne, uh, in Australia, called CoLabs. And look, we were lucky after a long time to get some space in there and then to be able to you know, start working on things. So look, it sounds really simplistic when we're talking about a really complicated business, but just, you know, getting started, getting the right people, um, you know, getting, getting space and, and, and equipment um, was, was, a, was a massive barrier. Um, there's obviously some, some, uh, technical challenges for us to, you know, develop cultivated meat products. And obviously we still need to, to get regulatory approval. Um, but yeah, um, to date, like getting started, I think was the hardest part. Well, I'm glad you went there because that is on my list of questions. So I'm going to skip ahead to that one. What was that? Like, how did you get started? Like aside from the lab element, like you, did you have an idea in your head and you start putting pen to paper and you can come up with ideas, seeing what's happening around the world, but how do you actually get started? Yeah. So um, for a very long time, I've been interested in finding a solution that would provide meat eaters with a product that looks, tastes, smells like the meat that they're accustomed to eating, ideally without any animal slaughter involved. And so I knew that, that, plant-based substitutes were were never going to be able to to replicate real meat so when i came across the potential um, of this technology to create uh, real meat products that really wouldn't require any behavior change from the consumer uh, I, I was all in at, at that point and so i'd done quite a lot of research around you know um uh, how this technology was being used, particularly in you know life sciences and regenerative medicine, uh, and had learnt of uh, a couple of companies overseas that were looking at doing this to create you know products for for, for human consumption, you know, using livestock cells, gr- growing up um, meat products, and so that to me became um, really obvious as 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 the answer to you know what I was looking to do in terms of you know creating that that real meat product 
Um, consumer doesn't really have to change. We're creating the same end product. We're just doing it in, in a different way. And so um, for me, that was really, you know, the, the, the driver for me. I had, um, you know, previously looked at, as I mentioned, you know, plant-based products and, and all those sorts of things. But, you know, I, I just knew from, um, you know, talking to, to, to people extensively, you know, around, you know, plant-based diets and, you know, the benefits and, and those sorts of things and some of the impact of, you know, animal agriculture, you know, not just to the animals themselves, but to the environment. Um, I just knew that behavior change was really difficult and, and plant-based substitutes just and just never going to be able to replicate real meat. So yeah, so look, when I came across the technology, that was that was it for me. It just all sort of made sense. And I, we also know that, you know, technology has a massive impact on our lives um, and, and technology never goes backwards either. And so um, coming up with a, you know, a, a technological solution, you know, to, you um, uh, you know, the problem that, that, that I wanted to address um, just became, yeah, just became the obvious answer to, to me. So, look, we're still to see how all that's going to, to play out. The industry is obviously um, burgeoning at the moment, but until we've got, you know, widespread adoption of, of the products, um, I guess the, the jury's still out. So, we'll, we'll see if I was right or wrong in a few years' time. Did you have to find like scientists here that were like, you know, you had to recruit um, or did you like physically perhaps as well as purchasing or licensing whatever the, the technology from overseas? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, it was really important to me that we developed a, a scalable, commercially viable solution. And um, for me, based on all the research I had done, it was using a particular type of stem cell technology, which, um, which, which is what we're using. So induced pluripotent stem cells. So I basically went looking for scientists with extensive experience uh, in that type of stem cell. Uh, and I went looking all over the world. So I was... Knocking on doors? Hundred percent. So, look, I was reading, you know, um, you know, journal articles, you know, people's, um, you know, master's thesis, um, you know, that they'd written, uh, and then just contacting them, like just just reaching out, you know, having conversations at, you know, three a.m. Australia time with, you know, people in, you know, Sweden and Switzerland who'd, you know, uh, done their done done their masters on. Um, uh, you know, induced pluripotent stem cells from sheep, you know, 15 years ago, right? And they were just, they couldn't, like, they're like, who's this crazy Australian contacting me wanting to talk about this thing that, you know, I'd, I'd done 10 or 15 years ago. You know, they'd moved on with their life and you know, they're doing other things and all that sort of thing. But anyway, so yeah, so a lot, a lot of, a lot of door knocking. Um, I, you know, was also going to, you know, biotech networking events and all those sorts of things to try and meet people because I just, I didn't know anyone. You know, I, I, I'm not from academia, you know, I don't, I don't have that, that science background. And so, um, look, that took a long time and I, I'd say it took, you know, a good 12 months um, of just, Trying to to meet people, um, knocking on doors. Um, you know, I, I, I've I've told this story a few times, but I remember being at um, this biotech networking event. You know, with all these um, highly, highly, you know, intelligent, qualified scientists who were working on. Um, you know, vaccines and uh, solutions for um, you know, cancer and cancer treatment and all these things. And, you know, I'd walk up and I'd, I'd start talking to them about, um, oh, you know, stem cells and induced pluripotent stem cells. And oh, yeah, I want to create, you know, meat products that, that people can eat. 
and I literally, literally people would just walk away. Like they would just, they would just walk away. And I just, yeah, it's not, it's not great for your confidence, but you know, that, this is how crazy this idea was. And this is, you know, four or five years ago, I suppose, or how crazy it seemed. And so, you know, that was pretty humbling, but Anyway, so it was just a continual process of, as you said, you know, knocking on doors, you know, eventually, funnily enough, I, the, the, the most qualified people that I found and, and got connected with were actually here in, in, in Melbourne, in my hometown. Um, so I've gone looking all over the world. I didn't need to go that far. I could have just, I just concentrated where I was. But, Damn it. Um, you know, Australia and, you know, we've got a really strong you know, life sciences sector here, um, you know, a really, um, you know, a, a really high high number of highly educated, you know, people working in that sector. And all those all those skills and that technology is transferable across to, to cultivated meat and, and what we're doing. And so, yeah, look, it was, that was, that was probably the, the, the hardest part. And then, um, you know, not only meeting the right people, but then convincing them to, to come and work on, on this idea, um, you know, was, uh, was, 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 a, was a difficult challenge as, as well. Um, but, but what we've built, I think, is a, a team of really um, mission aligned uh, uh, people w- within, within the company. Um, and I think that that really helps, you know, in terms of, you know, when you're trying to do something really huge, um, you know, to, to work on it with, you know, people that share the mission uh, in terms of, of what you're looking to do. What's the most common response you get when you tell people that you work in cultivated meat? like people who perhaps don't know about the industry and what's the most common response you get from people who have tried and tasted your product? Yeah, it, it really depends on the audience. I'm, I'm in a bit of a bubble um, within the space as well. So I talk to a lot of, you know, other founders or, or people working in, in cultivated meat and, you know, I, I, I get this false impression that, you know, everyone knows about it, everyone's for it, um, you know, everyone understands, you know, what I'm talking about. It's absolutely not the case. Um, so so I'd say, you know, the, the the general public still has very little awareness about cultivated meat and, and, and they often think I'm referring to a plant-based substitute, you know, as, as, as we spoke about earlier. Um, once I explain, you know, what it is, uh, the majority of people are fascinated by it. Um, and most of them at least want to try it. They're like, yeah, 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 I'd give it a go. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd be keen to, to, to try it, which, which is really interesting to me um, because early on I was expecting, you know, um, probably a lot more pushback about it than, than I've received. Um, don't get me wrong, we still get lots of those comments, particularly on social media, you know, from people saying that, you know, they've got absolutely no interest in it and, you know, what are we doing? And, you know, all sorts of comments. But, um, yeah, so the responses has definitely definitely been interesting. Once I think people are educated about you know what it is, how we do it, you know what it involves, um, and and as you as we mentioned earlier, you know, particularly about you know cost, you know people have these you know this, this misconception, oh that's going to be really expensive or, or all those other sorts of things. But um, in terms of taste, uh, we've done a number of uh, external or uh, public or independent taste tests this year, um, and to my relief, uh, the overwhelming response has been that the cultivated meat products that we've created are indistinguishable from traditionally farmed meat products, which to me was um, a, a massive validation for what we've been doing. Because up until that point, you know, we'd only done internal tastings and that had been the feedback, but obviously we're biased, you know, within, within the team. So to be able to do external tastings, you know, we've had 
restaurant owners, we've had food critics, um, you know, we've had hardcore, you know, meat eaters, we've had vegans, we've had vegetarians, a whole, you know, wide um, variety of people. But um, yes, thankfully, thankfully, the feedback has, has been really, really good around, you know, taste, texture, mouthfeel, all those sorts of things. That's exciting. And I definitely fall into the category of fascinated and keen to try it. There, I would be more keen to try cultivated meat than some of the things on a yum cha trolley for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to it. So you're raising capital at the moment. How much are you looking to raise and what will that be going towards? You talked about scaling before. Yeah, fundraising environment's been um, really challenging, I guess, probably for the last nine to, to 12 months, particularly in the, the food tech space, uh, even more so in the cultivated meat space. Uh, a lot of money poured into the industry in, you know, the previous couple of years, uh, even into, you know, plant-based sector. And I, I guess there's been a, some some disappointments um uh, in terms of you know how some of those those companies have performed, and so obviously we've got you know a number of different you know macroeconomic um, impacts and and challenges as well with you know what's going on across the world. Um, um, everyone looking to you know reduce debt and all those sorts of things. Interest rates going up, but anyway, uh, we are actually yes raising uh, five million dollars at the moment to to scale up production, uh, which will be our seed round. And what that'll help us do is you know build out a pilot plant facility, you know, with those larger bioreactors, uh, be able to produce obviously a lot larger quantity you know, of the products that, that we're producing. And then also obviously obtain, you know, regulatory approval, uh, which we're looking to do by the end of next year. So yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. Amazing. I have no doubts that you'll um, be able to raise that because this is just such a rising tide industry. I really do. We talked a little bit about your background earlier um, and that it's not in a science. You didn't spend any time in sciences or food. In fact, you have a mixture of banking, investing, and you even were the founder of a mixed martial arts gym. <laughs> you're, yes. you're, you're an interesting character with an interesting background. How did all of that prepare you for this, do you think? And like, why, why chuck all that away and go, well, well, you've told us why you're passionate about it, but startup world, especially. Yeah, uh, it certainly hasn't been a, a straight line um, to, to to where I am today. So yeah, look, my, my background, you know, I spent a, a quite a long time um, working for the for the banks uh, here in Australia, um, and then and then investing you know into um, uh, the, the, into the space that, that I'm involved in at, at the moment. And yeah, as, as you mentioned uh, previously. Uh, founded uh, a mixed martial arts gym uh, in in Melbourne, uh, uh, actually as also a, a finance brokerage as well. But um, look, I'd always wanted to, to work for myself. That had always been a really strong driver um, for me. Um, and it just took me a while, I guess, I think, um, you know, obviously um, to, to find uh, what was the, the right uh, option for me in terms of starting my, my own business. Um, and also sort of, you know, personal circumstances and, and all those sorts of things had, had prevented um, that up until the time that, you know, I founded uh, the Mixed Martial Arts Gym. So I'd always been interested in, you know, health and, and fitness, um, uh, competed as a powerlifter in my, my younger days, uh, qualified personal trainer, uh, and was doing a lot of martial arts. And so so I was really passionate um, uh, about that and found it really in, enjoyable. And so, you know, being able to combine, you know, what was uh, a strong interest of mine 
combine, you know, with uh, business as well, sort of, you know, just just made sense. Um, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult business model uh, with, with the martial arts because uh, everybody turns up all the time. Everyone's really, you know. Um, you know, passionate about training and that sort of thing where, you know, your general business model, if you think of like, you know, a franchise gym or a 24-hour gym, it's really built on people not turning up. So it's, it's a very different, very different concept. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, so look, look, I had that. And then, yeah, obviously the finance brokerage, you know, based on my, on my background, um, sort of, you know, made sense to, to me as well. But um, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm really, really, you know, really uh, passionate about is, is what I mentioned before about, you know, the potential to remove animals from, from the supply chain. And so, you know, starting up this business um, and being able to, you know, to push on for the last, you know, three or four years through some, some really difficult um, times uh, really has been based on, uh, my motivation um, for the business, because look, as you mentioned, any any startup is hard, and any business is hard, and so I think it's really you know crucial that you that you find something that you are passionate about if you if you do want to start a business, and you know not just like it, but are, but are really 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 passionate about it because it really is difficult. You know, all, all business is is difficult, you know, regardless of the of the industry, and so. Um, yeah, so look, the, the, the MMA gym really, a lot of people, you know, uh, giggle or, or, or laugh, you know, when they find out, you know, that, that, that was one of my previous businesses. But in building that business, you know, as I mentioned, you know, my, my background was in, you know, personal training and, and, and strength training and, and that sort of thing. So with a mixed martial arts gym, you know, we wanted to build, you know, the best uh, gym in Australia with, you know, if not the world with, you know, the best trainers, the most highly qualified trainers. And so that means, you know, you've got to find the best boxing trainer. You've got to find the best Muay Thai trainer. You've got to find the best wrestling trainer. You've got to find the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu trainer. So you've got to find all these uh, highly qualified people and then convince them to come and work for you. Um, which, as I mentioned before, is basically, you know, what I had to do to, to start, you know, the cultivated meat business. You know, I had to find really talented people and then convince them that this idea was something that, you know, they should consider coming and working on, coming and working with me, you know, have a look at the, you know, the culture that I'm trying to build, it, et cetera. So um, it did provide, you know, a lot of really good learning experiences, you know, for me having that business, you know, into, into what I'm doing today. So, yeah, certainly not a straight line, but I think you learn from from every experience. There's there's definite correlations to skills there, and um, it would have set you into good stead. Yeah, to go out there convincing all the right people to come and work for you because you've done it all before. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Final question, Paul. What's your silver bullet for business success? Yeah, it's a it's a really great question. Um, for, for me, exercise is still a really, you know, large part of my life. And I, I find that, um, you know, it's really, it's really important to, to have, uh, you know, an outlet um, uh, for, uh, to, you know, to, to, to get away from, you know, the stresses of your business. So, you know, whether that's, you know, to um, you know, exercise your body, relax your mind, um, you know, what focus on something else, whatever the case may be, you know, it'd be different for everyone, I suppose. But you know, having that is is really uh, hugely important for, for me um, because, you know, work, uh, particularly in a, in a startup in, in this industry, and as you mentioned, like we're raising capital and all those sorts of things, it's 24-7. Um, 
Uh, a lot of people don't like to hear that, but you know that's that's from my experience is is you know what what it takes. You have to be a hundred percent focused on it, and so you do need that outlet. You know, um, you do need to have that uh, to be able to uh, sharpen your focus. I guess one of the things that um, has really worked for me. Uh, and I think a lot of people speak about this, but um, I certainly look up to, to, to Gary Vaynerchuk as a, uh, a business uh, mentor and someone I look up to. Um, and one of the things that, that he talks about a lot uh, is really doubling down on your strengths. Um, and a lot of that also comes back to, you know, the, the, the 80-20 rule as well. But basically, you know, working out what you're, what you're good at, what your special talents are, what your special, you know, skill is and going all in on that. And so, you know, that's obviously going to be different for, for everyone. Um, I'm one of those people that, you know, previously, uh, you know, if, if I had an opportunity or if there was something that I could do, I would do it. But um, doesn't necessarily mean you should do something if you can do something. And so when it comes to, to business success for me, you know, doubling down on, on, on my strengths, you know, focusing on, on what I'm good at has had uh, exponential benefits uh, for me, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, doing the, the, the other things that, are, you know, I'm not as good at, which I could do, but I, you know, I shouldn't be doing. So, yeah, ho- hopefully that is uh, helpful to, to the listeners. Makes a lot of sense. And as I had expected, this was a super interesting chat. I really appreciate your time today, Paul. Not a problem at all. Enjoy the chat. It's been great.